Hi, everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Ryan Rudzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Bib Hubbard, the founder of Learning Heroes. Learning Heroes helps parents effectively advocate on behalf of their children's educational success. Bib founded Learning Heroes after holding leadership positions at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Scholastic, and elsewhere. Welcome, Bib. We are so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Core to the work at Learning Heroes is bringing clear, actionable information to parents and caregivers so that families can advocate for children's academic and developmental success. Can you tell us, Bib, why is that so important? Why is that needed? Yeah, parents are the expert on their children when it comes to their children's life, success, education, and parents want to play an active role in their child's educational success. Yet we see that oftentimes parents don't have access to a holistic view of how their children are both developing, achieving in the classroom and in another learning setting. So we feel like it's really important to make sure parents have a holistic view with lots of different kinds of information, again, about how their children are achieving and developing so that they can be their child's most effective education advocate so that their children can fulfill their potential and live their dreams. And what does that look like? Is it report cards, parent-teacher conferences? What more needs to be done? We do a lot of research listening among parents. So we've learned a lot about what parents rely upon and the kinds of information they have access to and their perceptions. And one of the major issues we found is that nine out of 10 parents, regardless of race, income, education level, geography, all believe that our children are at or above grade level in both reading and in math. And Greg and Ryan, you know, as well as I do, unfortunately, we're not at a place where nine out of our 10 children are performing at or above grade level in our country. And in particular, our Black children and Latino children are faring even worse. And the longer they stay in public education, actually, again, looking at the national data, the fewer and fewer are able to perform at a proficient level or above. And so we know that parents can make a huge difference in their child's educational success. So it's really important to make sure parents have all of the information so in addition to report card grades, it's teacher feedback, it's interim assessments, assignments, formative assessments, the tests that are given by the district throughout the year that measure how children are moving along and making progress. Typically, parents don't have access to that information. And we hear from parents and teachers that they're not actually communicating in an ongoing basis. And when we ask teachers, what's the number one way for a parent to have a good understanding of how their children are achieving and developing, teachers overwhelmingly say it's ongoing communication with me, the teacher, yet we see that that's just not happening. So there are lots of opportunities for parents to get much more information about how their children are doing, again, both academically and developmentally because they go hand in hand. And Bib, I will say personally, as a dad of two daughters, in reading your work and the work of Learning Heroes, I've had any number of aha moments. One of those aha moments was some findings about report cards, that teachers see those report cards as measuring effort primarily, whereas I as a parent thought it was gauging how they're progressing in terms of achievement. 
I suspect you have all sorts of aha moments among parents. How do you help parents make the asks that you're describing of all of the other tools to which they can gain access? Yeah. So by listening to both parents and teachers, we're able to create protocols, questions, language, ways to facilitate that conversation between parents and teachers so that it is strength-based, asset-based. It's about where the kids are performing well, and then you get to sort of where they might need some additional help, but know that every child has their strengths. So it's just giving the language, the question to both parents and teachers to be able to engage in a conversation about how children are achieving. And then importantly, reminding parents that they are their child's expert and they have so much important information to share with the teacher to sort of see that complete picture. And now in our COVID times more than ever, parents are seeing their children's education up close in a way that they've never had access to before. Is this really what my child should be learning? Shouldn't they have been learning that last year, perhaps? That feedback for the teacher is critically important. So for both parents and teachers, they need to have that two-way conversation. So we help enable that conversation to take place. Bib, you've described what can be, for some parents, a fairly extreme gap between the information parents receive and the realities on the ground. Can you tell us a little bit about the consequences of a gap like that? Like, how does it manifest in a child's trajectory? And how does it lead to which supports students do or do not get? So imagine if you're a parent and your child is in fourth grade and they're bringing home A's in reading. Well, that's great. Or even a B in reading. Great. Or even for many parents, the C is average, meaning that they are performing to their mind where they need to be. So what parents don't know is that, as Greg was referencing earlier, that that A or B or C reflects some achievement, of course, but also a lot of other really important indicators, like are they asking good questions? Are they turning their homework in on time? Are they a good peer? So really important, but not a demonstration of grade level mastery. And so if that parent thinks, oh, my child is getting an A in reading in fourth grade, then clearly they're reading at a fourth grade level, that parent's mistaken. And unfortunately, that parent's going to probably keep on doing what they're doing, which is a lot of good stuff to support their child's learning at home and at school. But imagine if you know that your fourth grader who's getting an A or a B in reading is really reading at a second grade level, you're going to take different actions to support your child. You're going to talk to the teacher. You're going to talk to the principal. You're going to find access to either low or no cost tutoring. You're going to talk to your child. You're going to put a plan in place. Parents are super motivated to help support their children. And in particular, low-income families are all in and ready and willing to sort of help figure out what their role is at home to support their children's learning once they have that information. And we've just heard too many stories of parents who find out too late that their child is not performing where they thought they were performing because they were relying just on that report card grade. And so we're trying to help parents know in real time, hey, here's an issue you need to focus on with your child. And it's not the end of the world. You know, you can address it. It's doable. But you're going to take different actions to support your child. And that's to us what's most important. You briefly mentioned COVID and the sense of clarity that the pandemic has brought to some families just by virtue of seeing what their children are doing up close. Learning Heroes has done some polling that indicates parents are more appreciative than ever of their children's educators. And they're also expressing a new eagerness to get a clear idea of where their children are, both socially and academically, and what their children need in order to succeed. 
Can you tell us about the educators who are doing a really good job of helping families make sense of how their students are doing? What are they doing in terms of partnering with parents and sharing more accurate, helpful information? Yeah, there are many strategies that are being deployed across the country, but it's just not happening universally or broadly enough. But many teachers will reach out to that parent at the very beginning of the year to share a little bit about themselves, to learn a little bit more about the child and how that child performs, what they love at home, what they don't love at home, they love to do. So teachers reaching out to parents to start that trusted relationship is really critical and we see very successful. And then at these key milestone moments, putting a plan together, the parent and the teacher and the child to say, hey, these are our learning goals for this child in a discreet and actionable way, and let's stay in touch on that. And so teachers who do that with parents have that two-way conversation, put that plan together. We see a lot of success and buy-in by the parent, the child, and the teacher to move the needle wherever that needle is to get the job done. It's not rocket science. It does take time and it does take intentionality and it does take skill to be able to build those relationships and to partner up but it is totally doable. So those are some of the things that we've seen teachers in the pandemic who are doing this successfully and parents who are doing this successfully are kind of coming together. They're teaming up in partnership to help support the whole child. This is Remaking Tomorrow. I'm Greg Baer along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Bib Hubbard, the founder of Learning Heroes. Bib, we've arrived at this moment where so much about education and learning is being rethought. And we're examining old assumptions, old practices, old systems. So looking forward into our post-pandemic learning futures, drawing upon whatever crystal ball you have, (laughs) (laughs) what opportunities do you see for some genuine system-wide changes in how parents receive and make sense of helpful information? So again, it goes back to this parent-teacher partnership, this two-way conversation for us We see that COVID is an opportunity now that parents and teachers need each other more than ever to build the muscle and make it an expectation to have parents and teachers come together and have honest goal-setting conversations for their children's learning in a way that is actionable and understandable. And so just as an example, for the end of the school year, we're encouraging districts and schools to support teachers and parents to come together and have an end of the year conversation, which I realize sounds totally common sense, I think, but is actually not gonna happen in very many places across this country. But imagine if you've got teachers and parents coming together with intentionality at the end of the year with the student to say, this is where the child is academically, developmentally, and to get them on a path for success for their next school year, let's put a plan together that prioritizes the skills that they need to work on or reinforce or build over the summer. Imagine the power that that would create for that parent and that child to say, okay, we're gonna spend the summer focusing on these prioritized skills so that next year you can have the most successful year possible. And we're also encouraging parents to reach out to teachers in those first two weeks of the next school year to share what their child's experience was like this past year in the summer. Again, to do some goal setting. Let's hatch a plan together for what my child's supposed to learn in this first quarter. And what are the milestones I can be looking out for to make sure that my child is on track? And when do we need to reconnect? And so we're excited to try and create the incentives 
for those conversations to be an expectation. So not a nice to have, not a few teachers who are going above and beyond, but that that's happening much more broadly. And especially for our low-income families and the families who traditionally are pretty underserved by our public education, because we feel like parents are at the ready to support their children as our teachers. But that partnership I think can be pretty game-changing, even though it's a pretty simple concept, it just isn't happening yet. So we're eager to see if we can sort of move the system in that way. We're eager about some of the bright spots we've seen during this pandemic. I think of an administrator who's been doing what she calls a million coffees. Now, of course, she's not going to have a million coffees, but whether it's been virtually or in person, just reaching out to parents in some unexpected ways and engaging them in serious conversation. Again, in my own experience, right, having parent-teacher conferences via Zoom, suddenly I'm not rushing from my office to the school building and get my 20 minutes in and rush out and think, what just happened, right? It, just creating time and space for those relationships and those conversations. Are there one or two examples around the country where you go, wow, it's so simple and obvious, but those are things we can do? Yeah, I think the Zoom parent-teacher conference is a great example for many families. We just have to remember that not everybody has access to the internet or the ability to navigate Zoom in that way. So we need to prioritize and make space for that relationship building to continue to happen in a way that works for families. So I think to your point, the parent-teacher conferences do not work. Parents don't really prioritize them and teachers don't prioritize them because the system is sort of broken around that. But how can we leverage technology like Zoom for those families that it works for and then find ways for the families that don't have access to technology? Let's make those parent-teacher conferences work for their schedules and for their teacher's schedules. So we need to be more creative about making sure that those parents who are caught in the digital divide continue to have access. There have been some innovations like learning pods where for some kids, those smaller group environments with more mentor kind of adults helping support their learning during the day. Robin Lake's group, CPRE, is doing some research to see what the efficacy of those learning pods are for kids. So I think there are these emerging new innovations that hopefully will persist post-COVID that work for some of our kids, especially those who are typically not well served by our current system. I'm thinking back to my own time as an elementary school teacher and how often I thought about the importance of partnering with families. I think it's something that a lot of educators get on a gut level. But of course, when you have 20 other things going on for 20 other students, it's also something that can easily get lost in the the day-to-day life of being an educator. I'm wondering, have you found that there are places where systemic supports have really helped educators do this? You mentioned earlier about a school district encouraging a big end-of-year conversation. Are there ways that districts and principals and leadership can support educators in making this a, uh, a priority? Like, as you said, making space? Yes, we're piloting a protocol that facilitates these two-way conversations in a charter school in D.C., and the assistant principal is just a phenomenal woman, and she was right. You have to prioritize it, you have to put intentionality around it, and you have to give the time for it. So I think it's about prioritization, and administrators and educators are eyes wide open about the important role that parents are playing. This is the moment, the opportunity to institute some of that time and that space for these two-way conversations to happen. So that might mean reworking some teacher schedules. And you don't have to talk to 20 parents every single day. Each parent and each child is different. So 
the level of support is going to need to also be tailored for wherever that child is and wherever that family is. So it's not a one size fits all. It's five minutes across the board. You really do have to sort of take the intentionality, look at the individual student and determine what is the right cadence. Just putting an expectation in place. There's some predictability for families so they can plan for it and it works for their schedule. It works for the teacher's schedule. There's sort of a collaboration around how they come together. Could be really powerful. And I think districts can set the stage to make the time and the space for that kind of customization and that kind of tailoring so it isn't super overwhelming. And as we've heard some principals say in our focus groups, you know, they don't want a quote unquote parent problem which is looking at parents in the exact opposite way that we need them to be looking at parents. I mean, parents are assets. They are critical assets and players in everybody's educational success. Finding that time and space, I think, is really important. Bib, how can parents and educators find out more about the work you and Learning Heroes are doing? Well, you can go to our website at bealearninghero.org, and we have both parent-facing materials and supports and resources, but we have a lot of resources for teachers, educators, and principals to be able to access as well. And everything we do is grounded in research. So again, we spend a ton of time listening to teachers, parents, principals, guidance counselors, students themselves. So all of our materials are parent-tested and teacher-tested to make sure that the intention of the tool is actually how it is manifested by the user. So encourage people to go and check out those tools. And obviously, people can feel free to reach out to me. (laughs) I'm happy to get feedback and help support anybody who's interested in joining in this effort to bring parents and teachers together. Bib, we are so grateful for you and for your leadership. Parents are allies. And like you, we want everyone to ask, how can we support parents, families, and caregivers as remarkable allies in support of our educators and vice versa? Thanks again to Bib Hubbard, the founder of Learning Heroes. Bib, before we say goodbye, one last question, please. What's one thing parents and educators can do to make tomorrow a more promising place for our learners? They can reach out to each other and engage in that two-way conversation where parents bring their expertise, their knowledge of their child. Teachers can share feedback about what they're experiencing with that student, that child, so that they can come together and make a learning plan with critical milestones and be in this together. And I think that will be game-changing. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org tomorrow.